There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Ready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 93, our final episode of 2017. It's the albums of the year. Craig was Patrick Culmeregan. Hey, how are you? It's the biggest up? one. They're not albums, they're my co-hosts. <laughs> I could be an album. What album would I be? The best reckon? of Bob Dylan. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's I think not that. bad. Yeah, 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 I'd take that. And you're the best Maybe. of Elton John. Alright. You've got maybe better tunes, but I've got better lyrics. Anyway. Anyway, uh, before, we, before we get going, um, anything happened this week in anyone, anyone's lives? Well, nothing to me, you know, no, it's just I, solitary confinement. Now that it. you mentioned oh, it. Oh, hang on. Someone's pitching up. Uh, yeah, I got engaged last <laughs> weekend. Oh, fuck yeah. It's funny because I was listening to an old episode yesterday. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about your stag party addiction, Craig. <laughs> and you were like, that's it, I'm done now. No more yeah, stags. I'm out of the game. And you said, unless, you know, like one of you guys has a big question coming up, right? we laughed. And Cullen was all like, nah, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something changed my mind along the way, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that What's happened, the, so hooray. It wasn't my dreadful stag story, <laughs> no, you know. No. It was the love of a good woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, 
for that reason, we are delaying the stag for a while. Oh, We've yes. Got to brace ourselves. Yes. Yeah. This um, uh, further underlines Craig and mine uh, our, our singledom. <laughs> Do you really? I, think, I mean, yeah. I hadn't thought about it like that, but yeah. In oh, the that context, was my immediate reaction. To, more to, pathetic. To yeah. the happy news. Yeah. <laughs> this news, in fact, was quite. Uh, How does this reframe my life? It holds up <laughs> yeah. a dark mirror for me to gaze into. But uh, congratulations to Cullum yes. and congratulations to Nina, his better half. And I do mean the word better. So yeah, yeah fantastic. Well done, fantastic hey, couple. Cheers. Great news. I never mention it on the show ever again. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess before we get going, though, as well, something to be said. We're going on the road again. We are indeed. More celebration for you. Yeah, because we're going to Cork. My God, Cork. It's, it's all coming to come. Yeah. I know, yeah. I fi- finally, I won that battle. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be going down to Cork at the very start of February for a show at Quarter Block Party, which runs from February 2nd to 4th. Uh, we will be there the 3rd on the mm. Saturday at the Roundy. And I, for one, am very much looking forward yeah, to it. Can I come to this one, yeah? You can. <laughs> Yay! We're thanks gonna, for letting me. <laughs> we're going to finally hit up the big town with the hill itself, uh, Cork City. Uh, maybe have a guest or two. It'll be like the Galway episode. So, you know, it'll be like us recording a live episode with hopefully people there. So if you're going to that festival, make the time, come and see us, show us around Cork and tell us things about Cork. Because, Gullum, you know, we're not, we're not going to enlist you as a guide. Yeah. Be this, a bit this, much. This is downtime for you. Exactly, yeah. And I'm particularly looking forward because uh, on, on our bill, so to speak, uh, opening for us will be uh, my old college radio co-host, oh, Owen wow. O'Sullivan, who presents Point of Everything podcast. How do you feel about that and how will he feel about that? I, how will he feel about you saying that he's opening yeah. for us? He's doing his he's own thing. Oh, no, 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 he's, he's, he's opening for us. I okay. mean, I've been fundamentally clear about this. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Very good. We, uh, like I said, we might have a guest or two. We'll see what we can do. Um, but the festival does look pretty good. Yeah. And we're going to be down for a bit of that as well. So if you're a Cork listener, uh, yeah, come down, say hello, and let's hang out together. It'd be great. And if you're a Dublin listener, pay no heed. <laughs> Just keep <laughs> yeah. listening. Do not travel, whatever yeah. you do. Uh, stay off the roads. And any, anywhere else in Ireland, you know... See, check your schedule see, exactly. see what you can manage exactly yeah, uh, I, I suspect we'll have a few more live shows in 2018 hopefully. absolutely yeah now before we get down to the top 20 there is a little bit of housekeeping to take care there of there is yeah <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact um, there was some controversy with related to the quiz that we did yeah and there may have been some spreading of fake news <laughs> okay um, <clears throat> can I have the apology music please thanks Right, firstly, I, I, I need to address something that has actually been causing me a lot of guilt and, well, heartache. You may be familiar with Dahi, our resident Captain Fiddle here at No Encore. He did something that was in poor taste, and let's be honest, it wasn't a very Christmas thing to do, dear listeners. After the quiz, the blonde fiddler wrongly sent out a tweet falsely celebrating victory at our quiz, which was held on December 7th in the Workmen's Club, <laughs> uh, which I hope you enjoyed if you attended, and thank you so much for doing so. Your support and participation on the night was greatly appreciated. I'm so glad you all got to witness my natural quiz-mastering stage presence in the flesh. However, I did something in the preceding days after the quiz, which I regret immensely. By continuing in Dahi's evil streak of proclaiming his team the winners on the No Encore Twitter page, I have wronged two of our most beloved and favoured contributors. I cannot tell you how often I am stopped while enjoying a cold bottle of Tiger in various Dublin watering holes by listeners of the show about these particular people when they're on the podcast. Firstly, to longtime friend of the show and wonderful, wonderful music journalist Zara Hederman. Her contributions to No Encore have been my favourite. She's <laughs> she's the funniest girl I know and talks and writes about music in an incredibly refreshing way. And I would really encourage you to read her reviews and features to get a sincere view of music itself. She's great. I can't say that enough. 
Also, David <laughs> Anthony, down, David Anthony Tapley, age twenty-seven, our roving reporter. I also wronged him. How could I? I know. He has done nothing but give entertaining, insightful, and laconic reviews of gigs for this show. Again, his contribution, I believe, has greatly improved the quality of No Encore. And I also feel I should mention that I feel guilty for not including Tandem Felix in the top three songs of 2017. (laughs) But here we are. Even I make mistakes. I have wronged two of the greatest people I have ever met. (laughs) And I will correct this slight (laughs) by inviting Zara Hedeman onto the podcast in January. Yours apologetically, David William Hanrady. Oh, Dave. I mean, to take the time to pen such a clearly personal... And I've never <laughs> yeah. heard you be so generous. It clearly meant a lot to you, Dave. It just flo- flowed right out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what can I say? Yeah, I, I don't know where it came from, really. But no. it just bounced into my into my brain one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, funny that. Funny that. There you go. Well, I learned my lesson. And now it's time for the top 20 albums of 2017. As decided by your no encore brethren, uh, will we have any honorable mentions? Because there are some big names that didn't make it. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, the, have like, you any at the top of your head? Uh, the you national, to, the aren't, national aren't here. Yeah, yeah, they aren't. And a kind of real return to form. Actually, we were kind of raving about that. Very yeah, much enjoyed it. Yeah. Really there was a low. It, it was a weird year where. I mean, we'll talk about it some more, but there was a lot of very, very good albums that were, like, orbiting the top 20, I felt. Certainly my personal one when I was, I was writing it. Uh, yeah, just kind of, like, missed out by fractions. But. Uh, Lord being one of those, I presume? Lord would have been top 30 for sure for me. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys. <laughs> Probably glad it didn't make the top 20. She's not here, nor our Arcade Fire or um, <laughs> no, Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z didn't make it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay-Z was in my top 20 and he's not here. Uh, you must be delighted, Craig. Um, it, do you know what, actually? There was... Uh, yeah, I am, yeah. Tidal socks graffitied on the wall behind him. Uh, this is the thing. I felt that it was a, a like you know a good year, if not necessarily a, a stellar year for music. Yeah. And I think it's, that's reflected in the albums and in our choices. I had a bunch of albums that were hovering around the top 20. Uh, pretty much like there's like 12 albums where I was like well this could be here James Vincent McMorrow yeah, True Care very good album uh, Charlie XCX number one angel I feel like that didn't get enough love this year yeah. it's a mixtape but you know come on <laughs> I'm kidding uh, you could make an argument for the Drake I playlist, was say, playlist actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was good more uh, life. I enjoyed the Los Campesinos album. I enjoyed the AFI album, of all people. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few others, yeah. So, like, ultimately, it's been an interesting shakedown. Yeah. And there's been a couple of controversial skewerings. And as a matter of fact, um, one album could have made it, but I, I, I had the King Solomon benevolent decision Here we go. to uh, remove Converge. From <laughs> well, the not a word spoken about it no, <laughs> thereafter no. uh, from, um, from this list. No, it was very big of you, Dave. and um, yeah. It actually was. It was kind of, it was for the list, I serving felt, the, be- yeah. the greater good of the podcast and... It was for the list. The tone was, of yeah. the show, maybe. And I, I just felt it wasn't overall reflective. And obviously, you know, we also disqualified the brand new album, uh, which yeah. was in my top 10 until then. Yeah. And probably would have made it in the I end. mean, even if it wasn't a kind of straight disqualification, I'm not going back to that album. Do you yeah, know what I mean? It I, just kind of changes everything, really. One of the songs came on, and I had a playlist of like songs of 2017, and one of the tracks came on after this, you know, the news had broken. And again, I was like, oh, Jesus, this yeah, just doesn't just, feel yeah. right anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, time will tell. If one can ever go back to that band and that album, but at the moment, no. So, on that note, uh, 20 albums that did make it, I think, are worthy of being here. And we'll kick it off with the Mercury Prize-winning Sampha. 20.
Process by Sampha. We spoke last week on the show about No One uh, Knows Me Like the Piano, that song, and Sampha's gift at just kind of portraying raw emotion and doing it in such an elegant, erudite way. Uh, I was ill when this album was reviewed on the podcast. I was uh, recovering from glandular fever. That was a fun start to the year for me. And I thought you guys were a little bit harsh on it, I must say. How do you feel now? I mean, to be perfectly honest, I can't recall exactly how harsh I may or may not. It was have kind been. of an in the middle, like low, like kind of a seven out of ten job. Was it? Yeah, I thought we were like a bit more encouraging. Um, no, certainly. I mean, I, I think it was a, a kind of a great achievement, um, a great debut. I haven't found myself going back to a huge amount, but I did for the purposes of this. And yeah, I mean, it really stands up. And we talked obviously about. Um, a track last week, but he he can really mix it up as well. I mean, you know, Blood on Me is a proper dancier number. There's switches in tempos. The production on it's immaculate. His voice is just stellar. It's definitely the best Apollo 11 feature of the year with a bit of Neil Armstrong and my boy Buzz Aldrin featuring in there. And um, yeah, no, if we were a bit harsh, I mean, maybe we were, but um, no, I think it's a good album. When did um, Buzz Aldrin become one of your boys? Um, it was probably the late 70s and we went on a trip. To Florida, yeah, I mean, like this album was a little while in coming, and it was kind of interspersed with Sampha's contributions to like Kanye and Drake and Solange and stuff like mm. that. And it seems like a kind of a well-served apprenticeship, so to speak, because one of the most impressive things of this album, I think, is that something that is clearly very meditative and clearly took a long time can, frankly, still be left alone for the most part and still be extremely delicate it's the sort of thing that could you feel have become overwrought in someone else's hands but he's kind of taken a softly softly approach and it really pays off yeah and like it's a slight album in as much as you know it's 10 tracks running time is not too long but he manages to create a world that is quite big and searching it's a lot like it's a very expansive record from the from the off while also retaining that kind of sense of just really raw emotion as we kind of said before um i think it's great i think it's a really really good album and i, I think it's a worthy way to start this list but up next 19 positive that there's more to Future Islands than being a meme. It's The Far Field. The track you heard there is Beauty of the Road. And yeah, look, you're either on board of Future Islands or you're not after their breakthrough David Letterman smash of doing Seasons. Uh, or is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called seasons. Uh, and, and of course, the dancing, the wacky dancing. The, the dancing. And this is the thing, I feel like this album has been kind of slept on a bit because even when the reviews were coming out for it, I mean, the first two paragraphs were about the dancing and um, a lot of reviews were like, well, aren't they kind of doing the same thing they did on the last record and maybe the record before that? And it's like, yes, they have a very defined sound. It's brilliant. I think it's it's a really, really well put together record. The songs are fantastic. It's on a par, if not better, than singles, I think. And just because people are maybe thinking, oh, well, he's had his moment and how do they kind of, you know, keep that momentum up, it doesn't detract from the quality of what they've produced. Um, and then, you know, kind of came out earlier in the year, going back to it, you're just kind of like, oh, my God, yes, this is very, very good indeed. Dave has alluded to one point, though, that is quite important with this record, is that you're kind of on board or you're not. And yeah, I think sure. that 
you know, Samuel T. Herring is earnest at the best of times. He's especially so on this record. And so a little like I can remember saying about Elbow's album this year, it's one of those incidents where if you're not into them and if you don't care about him, then you might kind of find yourself going, well, this is all a bit much, isn't it? But musically, I think as well, though, even if there are moments where it wavers slightly, it's it's the musicality that drives it through. And their tour drummer was involved in the writing and production of the album for the first time. And it really shows because the rhythm section for me is, is dominant in a way that, you know, even greater than it was on singles. It's a very driving album. It's constantly moving. Uh, I think songs like Cave and Ran are excellent. And Debbie Harry's feature is really good, too. Yeah, it's a great song, Shadows. And yeah, like Samuel, Her- or Samuel T. Herring, I mean, like, yeah, you make a good point because I can't stand Elbow. Like, Largely because I can't stand Guy Garvey. I, I'm not into his worldview and his aesthetic. So yeah, if you're not into the Future Islands thing, of course this album won't work for you. It, it, it just will be, you know, anathema or whatever. But I think it's very, very accomplished. And I think it is, I, as Craig kind of alludes to, it's a subtle listen in as much as you can kind of take it on a surface level and not be wowed by it. But going back to it more often I think you get stuff from it I think it's quite rewarding it, it's funny last week you mentioned something about like you know how Frank Ocean even as his most casual somebody is still crying it's like Future Islands and you know take a bit of every way now but like Future Islands even when everybody's dancing somebody is going to be like weeping solemnly if they're listening closely to the lyrics usually me um, yeah I'm, I'm kind of constantly surprised by what they can kind of come up with with such you know lim- a limited palette I guess I mean the bass yeah some of the bass I'm a sucker for an L great baseline and some of them are amazing on this as Dave says it's a really driving record and you just have those kind of simple synths but they're always kind of finding new nooks and crannies and hooks and uh, yeah painting kind of really interesting pictures and yeah you maybe have to be on board at this point um, but if you are it's just like it, it's a bountiful kind of record up next the only Irish entry on the list 18 the breach of God. It's that man, Owen French, a.k.a. Talos. Wild Alley is the record. And yeah, I mean, much is made uh, of Talos being an architect. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, once they went into his press release, everyone was like, oh, class, now we all have our angle. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. interesting because, I mean, like, ultimately, while it's in danger of becoming a bit tired, um, at least, you know, the, the, the pieces on him rather than him himself, it's still irresistible because not only are you gifted this, like, okay, I've got my hook now to write about this guy, but, like, he these are structures like these are yeah. soundscapes landscapes and like, are you calling him a sonic architect uh, well our sonic our, ar- own, yeah. our own sonic <laughs> architect Eve is the chief sonic architect thank you and <laughs> thanks for all your hard work this year Eve yes we're, indeed we're, we're, we're big fans she's the number one album it's coming up <laughs> but uh, yeah I guess he is a sonic architect I mean like ultimately like that's kind of what it is like these songs are less A to B you know pop tunes and more like expanses and like there's terrain here but he can do both can't he because there's Mm. glimpses of sort of like fairly straightforward power pop but there's also kind of flourishes of like quite complex electronic music he can very much do both and I, I guess it's kind of that middle ground 
where it's at its strongest for me. I mean, I, I was so pleased with this record as well because you know I think it's true of Irish acts especially. You kind of when you hear a few good singles and a few good material or pieces like released to start a career, you're kind of just rooting for it to to, to follow through in in a full album form, and this definitely did. Yeah, it does sound very expansive and kind of lush. It's like this, you know, Wild Atlantic R&B genre or whatever. But there is definite pop elements there and there are those kind of big soaring chorus moments. Um, he can totally do that. It just feels very, very accomplished for a debut. Yeah. It's just, you know, disarmingly so. Yeah, I mean, some of these songs have been around for a while yeah. and it was a case of honing them to their, you know, most perfect moments. There's some imperfections. I think a song like 209 is a bit too ambitious for its own good. But the likes of Odyssey and This Is Us Colliding are just those heart-stopping moments of just pure awe when they click into those, you know, epic flourishes towards the end. And, of course, the build is very important. And, you know, uh, a man familiar with foundations will understand that, as he does. (laughs) (laughs) And he's a big fan of Mark Hollis and Talk Talk, uh, a very much slept-on band, so that'll kind of keep him in good stead, stand him in good stead. That gets him a thumbs up Uh, from you. Stick to the list. (laughs) (laughs) And up next... 17... The clouds are passing by on by my darling. Your eyes are breathing I've seen them in the light and I couldn't let it go. And that's Follow My Voice from Not Even Happiness, uh, the most recent album from Julie Byrne, a New York kind of singer-songwriter. And Dave, you were particularly kind of taken with this, as was I. It's a kind of, it's a slim enough record. Um, there's not a huge amount going on. And it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's kind of very, your standard songs of kind of romance and travel and journeys and that kind of Americana thing. But it's just so well executed, isn't it? I think there's a deception to this, yeah. actually. I think that these tracks linger and you know you kind of want to follow the thread back to them and she just has this kind of really soul-stirring captivating presence uh like you know i, I think about true detective and you know season two and they had um that singer in the bar type oh thing. yeah like, this is not the, yeah, my, my least name. favorite life or this yeah i can't remember uh, <laughs> but like you know a problematic season but uh, trying to forget not yeah. as bad as people said it was nonetheless uh <laughs> julie Byrne would fit right in with these kind of yeah i mean like everyday stories of real life and you know trials and tribulations thereof and it's just there's a certain kind of pedigree here there's a certain kind of conviction about her voice and the ability to just craft these little tiny spellbinding worlds that she does so well yeah absolutely I think there's you know it's been a theory of mine for a long time that there's a little bit of an allergy in this country that's to the sort of like open mic style one guitar and one vocal singer songwriter yeah probably just after that re- wave of them arrived yeah precisely yeah. yeah but this is you know just a reminder of what it can be when it's done right I mean you know you can kind of picture sort of you know sitting on a porch somewhere contemplating life basically yeah. sing, singing to nobody in particular and I think that's one of the things about it that makes it quite so beautiful that it does sound like personal meditations rather than anything that's being like said to a crowd it actually reminded me a lot of Ryan Adams' debut solo record, uh. Uh, Heartbreaker, in that, I mean, it's not kind of breaking new ground. It's it's kind of, you know, there's certain tropes there that you will recognise, and lyrically it's it can at times be straightforward, but it's kind of shot through with such authenticity. The songs are so strong, and there's kind of this crystal clarity to everything she does, um, which really worked with Heartbreaker and really works here. Um, you know, great guitarist as well, a kind of more gentle touch than a Nick Drake, but I know she's a big 
big fan and there's a kind of that's always a good thing um, and the voice as well I mean yeah. it kicks off with follow my voice and you do it has that like ASMR quality where it's just you almost get a physical sensation just listening to it like across the back of your neck or something it's it's some, it's it's very uncanny yeah like a, a straightforward enough blend of folk and new age wouldn't ordinarily be my kind of bag but there's just something about this that is as I said captivating very hypnotic and you kind of want to go with her wherever she goes it's just craft like it's excellent craft it's really really well crafted and I, and I think that it's uh, you know it came out at the start of the year and yeah. I think the fact that it didn't sync without Trace and that it managed to endure over the 12 months is testament to how good these songs are despite the restrained nature of them up next 16 That's Thundercaddy's back, the album's drunk, and that was Show You The Way with uh, Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins making a real kind of Yacht Rock special there. Um, and this is just like a fun record, really, I think. I mean, Thundercat, obviously, you know, bass is supreme, so of course he was one of my big picks. Um, but he's cropped up on, you know, some of Kendrick's stuff, to Pimp a Butterfly being one, Kamasi Washington, like these really kind of state-of-the-nation, you know, important albums in the last kind of while this is his most kind of this is his new kind of statement from himself and it's not a state of the nation thing it can be at times but it's a bit like do you know what we don't have to take it all so seriously it feels at times like I mean there's kind of snatches of songs some are quite short it's like a donuts kind of bop around things and it's like almost like you're watching someone go through their phone and just half in a daze and kind of making jokes but also being struck by these more profound thoughts and it's a bit of a jumble but it's really oh, enjoying you son jumble. of a bitch I was going to say how like a uh, jumble <laughs> yes because Cullen will know what I'm about to say because the enjoyable jumble the enjoyable jumble what's the enjoyable jumble uh, sometimes when you go and see a film the studio like on a press screening right? Yeah. the studio will request that you email them afterwards with your thoughts a reaction ah I remember and now I've had to do that before on several <laughs> occasions and I went to see Jason Bourne when that came out about a year and a half ago whatever and I wrote to like Universal or whoever it was and I was like yeah I mean like you know amazing <laughs> opening like really uh, like great camera work and set pieces here and there uh, plot was a bit iffy and you know I think one of the characters didn't quite work but overall uh, I, 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 I'd go as far as to call it an enjoyable jumble yeah. <laughs> yeah enjoyable jumble and that's what this album is this album is exactly that it's an enjoyable yeah. jumble it's it, all over the map but I enjoy it exactly I mean the reason why it works though is that it embraces its eccentricity in that way because you know I mean it's documented at this stage that I'm not a huge fan of kind of sketches of songs mm. or, you know that don't feel like they've been fleshed out these feel like they are just they are what they are essentially and that there is no more fleshing out to do um, and indeed you know there are some like where something that seems like a bit of a throwaway joke I mean like Jamil's space ride is like yeah yeah of course that's about police brutality but because it's kind of willingly and admittedly offbeat it works you know and I mean like you mentioned this guy like you know he's played with Kendrick and with um, Matthew Washington and stuff like that like he's also bases with suicidal tendencies I know you know clearly all over the, yeah it clearly focus is not going to be one of the strongest <laughs> points so to speak but um 
yeah, I guess basically because it's sort of committed to being odd, you kind of just let it away with it. I think it's really refreshing as well. We've had a lot of big statements this year and kind of it's been an oppressive kind of year. It's just it's, it's been heavy and yeah. this was a nice breeder. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fun listen. Yeah. And frankly, you know, when you're talking about albums that might address something like police brutality that do sort of ponder issues of kind of like you know life and love and depression and so on and so forth yeah saying that it's a nice fun listen isn't something that you often get to say yeah i'm not going to do any better than enjoyable jumble so let's just move on (laughs) 15 stay caught up in my dreams and forgetting i've been acting like i'm again because you Tell me in your arms just a little too tight That's what I thought Summer's meant for loving and leaving I was such a fool for believing that you Could change all the ways you've been living But you just... And that is White Mustang. It's, yes, it's Lana Del Rey. She made the top 20 albums list, and the album, of course, is Lust for Life. Um, featured pretty high up in my list. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised with myself. Like, definitely in the in the run-up to this album coming out, uh, as I said last week when we talked about one of her songs making the list, I thought, Ugh, all the sounds coming from it, not the actual sounds, but the talk around it, was a bit worrying, but she totally nails it. It's an album where one of the high points is a song where she duets with Sean Lennon and references John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and it's a real highlight. It's just like, it shouldn't quite work, but somehow it does. And I think it does because she she decided, okay, she wants to make a statement, she wants to just kind of, I don't know, not get serious, but kind of drop any pretense she had in the past. And I guess the stylized nostalgia she once had is now replaced by a kind of timelessness maybe well, what that's exactly think? it yeah. it's an engagement with the real world that I think we hadn't had before yeah. that, you know she used to sort of I guess you know she was on a stage and even behind a curtain so to speak and we talk about world building she was very effective at doing it yeah. um, the problem being that it always left her slightly disconnected with what you might presume to be the real world this was probably the most dramatic um, move towards sort of engaging with those topics that we've had from Lana Del Rey so far and it's done with a lot of conviction and a lot of belief I mean I think sometimes maybe a little overwrought but you know, no but, yeah, but, but frankly I mean you know if, if, if your biggest criticism is that it's done with too much conviction then it feels like you're nitpicking doesn't it it's typically cinematic and it really works in this one I do agree that the album could probably use a bit of an edit it's a little bit longer. Every album could. No, well, every, most albums could. It's a bit long in the tooth. Um, I d- yeah, I do actually think the moments where it feels like maybe she's pandering a bit to radio and definitely where there's kind of hip-hop elements there and guests, they, they don't quite quite sit right. There could be a kind of a couple of tracks lost, I think. Yeah, I mean, is there two future features on this? Yeah, it's I mean, much. it's right. It's kind of right in the centre and it's it just kind of... I remember I uh, when the, the track with The weekend came out, the title track, and Cullen was particularly... Like, I don't like this. I found it uninspiring, to be honest, and especially because... And the other reason why, you know, you kind of... That seemed concerning was because, again, like, she's worked with The Weeknd before. She worked on The Weeknd's album. You were kind of like, is she just going down the very same road as she always has done? So it was a pleasant surprise to see that actually, no, there was, uh, you know, kind of moving outside of her box, so to speak, on the record as a whole. That's the thing, though. I mean, like, you talk about conviction, and it's a case of, well, she clearly, clearly believed 
quite strongly in getting this epic undertaking out. And, you know, I almost kind of, you know, writing a new chapter in the Lana Del Rey story. And up until now, the story hasn't really interested me outside of the odd song, but this was the album that really held my attention from the off and throughout. I think it's an excellent narrative. I think she is, without question, the leading light. I don't even think she needs any features on this, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. Like, she's really, really strong on this in both delivery and execution. The lyrics are good. I and, mean, of course, there's the odd clunker because, of course, there's going to be. There's the odd reference to Hollywood because, of course, there's going to be. You know, the Lionel Ray character has certain boxes that she has to tick, I suppose. But this was definitely the first kind of real statement I felt that she made where I didn't feel that it was just dressed up and just hollow and just honey-voiced and glossy. Like, this was really about something. And I think, uh, as an artist, you know, she elevated herself with this record. It's yeah. really fucking good. But up next, the second best Orin B album about hookup culture this year. <laughs> Fourteen. I'm It's SZA, and am I saying that correctly? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I've like heard different variations on it. RZA, JZA, SZA. Okay, SZA. Continues in that fashion. The album is Control. It's the debut album proper from SZA. A lot of hype behind this one, and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's really good. It's yeah. really, 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 really good. Like, it's, it's immediately electric as well, and again, an album with features on it. You know, you've got uh, Big Kendrick doing a particularly good feature. And you've got, like, uh, Travis Scott, I believe, in there as well. Yeah, Travis Scott, But again, they never blur her vision. Yeah. I I think that's the most important thing here. And it's that thing of, like, really uh, almost aggressively uh, personal and naked lyrics and not holding back anything, not sugarcoating anything, and just a real human being with real human being problems and Mm. managing to express them in a really accessible, interesting way while also not apologising for it whatsoever. I mean, what's in a name, you know? Titling the album Control kind of, for me, says it all, because this really is a, an album where she takes ownership in a very real and very genuine way. Um, yeah. The reason why, you know, you might point towards the title as being significant is because this was originally just called A as the album, because her first two EPs were called S and Z. It's a pattern. And then yeah. she released Control. It reminds me of that family that down in Cork who named their children uh, Matthew, Mark, <laughs> Luke and Sebastian. Uh, <laughs> True story, mate. Um, but yeah, this this is fantastic. She has that kind of Frank Ocean-esque quality of being uh, able yeah. to... This is where I give out to you, because I was going to say that. Go on. Yeah, but like she can <laughs> sing sweetly and then rough it up a little bit. And she can also go from like something quite tender to just absolute filth, let's be honest, to something funny back to tender without actually drawing breath in the space of about 10 seconds. Mm. That is a unique sort of a skill. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, if you loved Blonde last year and were looking for something approaching that, I mean, aesthetically, there's definite markers here of that kind of thing, from the muted electric guitars that started to the very kind of subtle R&B. I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a really kind of well-worked production. Uh, it doesn't go the kind of you know, very alt R&B route of just, I don't know, bags of reverb and kind of time-shifting stuff and, like, an assault of drums or whatever. But it's also not a total throwback. It's just um, beautiful instrumentation. And while I don't think she actually has the best voice 
of all time. She's definitely effective with it, and what she does have is loads and loads of charisma. She's like really likable. Even the stuff that's kind of unflinching and could be a bit too much information, she can get away with because you know she has a good line here or there. She has a joke in it, yeah. um, and it just and there's some great pop songs and in it as well. Real. Like it feels prom, and true. yeah, like yeah, it does, you know, yeah. there's often these choruses of you know, like oh, I wish you know singers would address blah, but you know, if it's not true to them, then it's no different to kind of like creating a manufactured pop act to kind of talk about puppy love or something, you know? It has to be something real to them, and yeah, it seems to have that authenticity. Craig was about to mention Drew Barrymore there, which I think is one of the best pop Mm. songs of the year. It's immediately accessible and and interesting, and full of hooks as well. I mean, like, this is an album that doesn't get bogged down in meandering. Like, I think it's really sharp. I think it's really, really succinct. And yeah, I mean, again, it's a case of like, someone singing about stuff that clearly means a lot to them and taking the power back. Um, I know, like, I think Rolling Stone referred to The weekend that song, as, like, you know, a side bitch anthem. And then Sizzle was like, it's not what it's about, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's about me taking back ownership. Thanks, lads. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah, so, like, you don't want to send... like Ro- Rolling Stone to get it wrong in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to categorize... You don't want to pigeonhole Sizzle. You don't want like, you know, like, kind of just fucking, I don't know, like, pick the wrong genre or whatever well, that's exactly easy. Yeah. it's a very fluid album like, yeah. you know, it kind yeah. of has yeah. its own stamp it's I think singular that, I, I think that's why Craig kind of mentioned as well though you know that like you know it's not gone completely alt R&B because yeah. people are struggling to sort of categorise this it just bends genres that's a little a good bit thing, rather, than, rather than that's smashing a, them to pieces that's a really good thing in a year in which like I say I mean the standouts have been very very good but not quite, you know, the masterpieces that we want across the board. But this is close. This is really close. And, you know, one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, and as, yeah exactly. As a debut album. It's quite exciting. But coming up next. 13. Nothing so long. There's nothing really Yeah, that is Grizzly Bear. The song is Neighbours Taken from Painted Ruins. Uh, they managed to sneak into the top 20 songs last week, of course, as well. And we mentioned how embracing their sort of complexity is key to their success. Yeah. Uh, the album as a whole kind of bore that to true. Yeah, I mean, and they, they sound really together on this, and they have to be. I mean, to you know, to pull off, again, the complexity they're trying to go for. And it's interesting, the kind of story behind this, because they've been away for five years. It seemed like for a time, actually, there might not be another Grizzly Bear record. They were kind of barely speaking, I mean, not in a kind of fractious way, but just they were living their own lives. And to come back together and deliver something like this, where they're all so in sync, um, and not in sync, Obviously, they're more Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Dave is shaking his head. Keep going, <laughs> but it's it's yeah. I mean, I talked last week about how they could verge on the prog rock or the indulgence, but they certainly don't. And it's really actually immediate and visceral once you kind of get on that roller coaster with them. They can kind of shift time. They can get you. Some of their kind of 
their riffs and they're just guitar figures and the, they get, they hook you into this circular thing where they'll just there's this kind of joy and repetition and it's it's really thrilling when you get locked in and it takes a bit to kind of like get fully on board but with it, but once you do it just keeps revealing itself and it's it's a fantastic record I've mentioned before as well that there's something really nice about how even handed it is in terms of you know kind of a lyrical opacity at times and a sort of a, a, a musical com- complexity yeah. that one feeds into the other basically and I mean I can't remember which tune last week but we kind of compared it to kind of you know make your own mystery novel or whatever yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. this has that same quality it's a bit like going to back to a video game and consistently making those different choices and seeing where they lead because it feels like yeah there are multiple paths that you can take every time you listen to this record yeah not to like take the title too literally but like there's a paint by numbers effect here in a good way like sure. it, it does feel like everything branches into the next kind of piece and i think you know this is kind of like the national album in a way in that it's just it's you know there's a not 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 just a melancholy or a darkness but there's just kind of an opaqueness i suppose to all of this and yet this pop sensibility is driving the whole thing as well like you never get lost despite the fact that it's a bit of a labyrinthine listen at times i mean I, that's kind of part of their strength i mean the grizzly bear wouldn't be the most go-to band for me in terms of trying to get an immediate hit or anything but certainly not at the same time i mean the more i listen to this album the more i kind of felt those things unlocking. And I mean, again, I mean, another band that I, I, I didn't really think of was like Fleet Foxes had a really good album this year. And it's yeah, it was very good, actually. Kind of Great treading return. in similar enough territory. Like, I mean, that just kind of like weird kind of, you know, midnight woodland strolls. I think Craig was alluding to last week yeah. at one point. Uh, <laughs> I do love those mid- midnight yeah. woodland strolls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Press, jog down the canal, take a left at the woodlands and <laughs> walk on. Follow the uh, yellow brick road. Follow the contemporary folk music <laughs> yeah. and see where it takes you. Uh, but this is an album that takes you places and, and I really respect that for it. I mean, like, it's, again, I've said it already, like, I really do regret not seeing this live because I think the songs would have had a new life in that arena. And yeah, it's a, it's a really fun kind of dark listen without being actually dark deceptive sure? I would say yeah another band uh, that we mentioned last week one that we did catch live this year 12 I don't want to be cruel but you're really grinding I'm Yeah, Wolf Alice Visions of a Life, and uh, you just heard Yuck Fu, which was one of the first singles taken from it. Uh, strangely, this was an album that I slept on for a week or two, despite the fact that I'm actually a big fan of Wolf Alice. I think it was right around the time of the live show that they dropped it. We tried to review the horrors and the killers in the space of three days, and Craig overslept, and it was quite the to-do. <laughs> Let um, it go. <laughs> I eventually got around to listening to this record and yeah, I even felt sorry that I left it for a fortnight because it's very, very good. Exact same, yeah. It just kind of went under the radar for all those reasons listed. And the more I went back to it, the more I was like, no, no, this is really good. And I was like, no, this is really fucking good. I mean, look, um, it's it's been record of the year in a couple of places this year, Drown Sound being one of them. And I, I don't think any album that has Beautifully Unconventional on it can be the best record of the year because that song just doesn't work. But what works 
really fucking works. And again, I mean, like, Wolf Alice seem to also delight in flouting convention, and they seem to just, like, march to the beat of their own drum, and that's why you get a song like Yuck Fu, which is this two-minute powerhouse, kind of Bitch Falcon-esque kind of growling vocals here and there, and just a, an assault, a pummeling. And then, of course, Don't Delete the Kisses, which was one of our top three or four songs last week. And that's an emotional roller coaster, and so wonderfully realised. And yeah, I mean, like this, this is an album that kind of just runs. Like it just goes yeah. where it wants to go. It does it with the confidence of a band on their fucking fifth or sixth album, not their second. Yeah. And Ellie Russell, as we said last week as well, when we were talking about that single, she is an amazing powerhouse of a vocalist and kind of always find something new like this is a band that are quite exciting because i don't i, don't, I wouldn't know how to describe them and again i like that yeah absolutely they seem to have mastered the ability of kind of like mixing tenderness with the sort of like you know crunching guitar sort of we're gonna melt your face off rock um i can remember talking to ellie Russell after the first album and that was a long and drawn out affair where they were going back into studio and re-recording things and you know it was delayed time after time i think even the fact that this dropped pretty much two years after My Love Is Cool tells you that, you know, this was a far more straightforward uh, process for them, speaks to their confidence. I think they're still learning. I think they're still growing as a band. But, uh, yeah, signs are very, very positive indeed. Yeah, I mean, it, this kind of initially passed me by, but when I finally woke up and got past, my, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> got past my blind spot for, you know, Wolf Artists, like Wolf Parade, that was a, a great like, record as well. Yeah. Wolf Mother and Wolf from Gladiators. New Valley Wolves. Uh, yeah. And uh, your boy Yellow Wolf. Yellow Wolf, yeah. The greatest of all the wolves. Um, but no, I really, really like this. And there's some songs I don't quite dig. Uh, Yuck Fu being one of them. Right. It's a bit, well, of course, it's it's kind of a throwaway. Um, Beautifully Unconventional, as Dave mentioned, is just Tenacious D's tribute, isn't it? Essentially, it just... <laughs> but elsewhere, I mean, there's shades of My Bloody Valentine. There's shades of Smashing Pumpkins once they kind of went over the top. And there's that kind of 90s feeling of alt-rock bands once they got properly properly kind of ambitious in their own right and that kind of gothic tinge to things and it's kind of all over the shop but you don't feel oh they're on their second album they don't quite know what they are they're just there's a confidence there where they're just doing whatever they want and when they kind of get serious and they kind of expand their horizons and she's really front and centre they they can kind of soar and um, the best stuff on this is superb Yep, as Craig says, the Republica of their day. <laughs> and up next... <laughs> Nailed it. Eleven. My It's Fever Ray. The album's called Plunge. We talked about it on the Galway episode where Googie revealed himself to be a better album reviewer than us. <laughs> He's not here now, so, you know, if you're listening, Googie, with, yeah, show off. Two pairs of headphones, is it? Fair enough. Uh, this is Karen Anderson's, or Karen Dreyer, I can't remember like her name because it changes. It's just old Violet, usually. Uh, of the Knife fame, mm-hmm. and yes. her solo project, Fever Ray, second album, Plunge. A lot more uh, bright and vivid, I would say, than the, than the previous one. And, yeah, an album that demands attention yeah, and manages to twist you on quite a weird journey. 
but fuck me, it's compelling. Absolutely. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, much like, you know, whether it's her stage name, her regular name, uh, her image as Fever Ray, everything, you know, with this project, it's not exactly as it seems. Mm. And the same is true of the songs, where it keeps you on your toes, it keeps you guessing. Um, but it's just, it's so wonderfully inventive. And, you know, the thing is that, and I remember using this description for Grimes' record a couple of years ago, where, you know, even though it was very complex, you don't don't get the feeling that they, these were, you know, tight pop songs at their core that have now had bells and whistles stuck on. You get the feeling that this was probably an enormous studio-based project, which has been whittled down and tightened into something that works far more efficiently at this point. Yeah, it's very kind of techno-influenced, obviously. Um, you've Peter Mannerfelt working with her here, um, kind of did a lot of stuff with the knife in the early days, and it, yeah, it has that very manic, thing to it it's arresting it kind of grabs you and just shakes you I tried to listen to this writing an essay on consumption studies earlier this week and I was just writing gibberish yeah yeah, this isn't kind of background listening whatsoever but it's very very compelling and it's sublimely executed I love that you tried to like (laughs) use this as a study tool are you fucking (laughs) insane out of my mind I was yeah I was double jobbing me Jesus Christ you know there's can't doubt his commitment now, folks. Can't there you? you go. Yeah, it's been it's been hanging in the balance, but no, I'm committed. Uh, I mentioned the word bright and vivid. Like I love just how fucking technical this is. Like, oh yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's so vibrant. It's so like arresting in a way that I think no other album in this twenty actually is. It's like it's incredibly unique and singular. Um, Bjork, her album didn't make the the list. It was in my top twenty. Yeah, it was hovering around there for me. And I think you know these are kind of interesting, kind of strange bedfellows to a degree because again, just like singular artists doing incredible modern art like you know using a canvas like a few others and kind of creating stuff that is quite divisive and polarizing i would say i mean like you know this album of course is not for everybody but again you know kind of a theme here with some of these albums i think the more you go back to this one as well like it's just full of little rewards like it's just constantly giving you something new and different and it rewards that patience i mean like in a way that like you know even like an album by the knife like shaking the habitual i never went back to that after i reviewed it because it was just so much of a commitment it was so much of a weird haunted house of an album yeah this has tight songs like really kind of hooky stuff in there like i mean like i was surprised to learn that like sophie wasn't involved at some point because some of the tracks just have that weird metallic tinge about them it's interesting just yeah. that really kind of like things just bouncing off walls yeah. and managing to kind of just like pinball machine their way into like a really good kind of kind of chorus because this isn't a really an a to b song structure type record but yeah. I, I i think it's brilliant yeah, yeah it, it is kind of bordering on kind of ecstasy at times really isn't it in the literal sort of you know losing your mind slightly (laughs) sense no I wasn't talking about the drug I was talking about the state of just you know euphoria really where yeah absolutely fantastic really speaking of rapturous this is my favourite record of the year ten off in the corner doing poets work that's alright for now it was just a dream and we've breached the top 10 with Destroyer and Ken. That was Tinseltown swimming in blood. Listen, it's no Caput, but I think if Caput came out this year, it would be album of the year, so that's no shame. Um, Ken, yeah, named after the kind of working title for Suede's The Wild Ones, which is a kind of insurmountably brilliant song. Um, this isn't really, like, insurmountable. It's very approachable. This might be Dan Bejar's kind of mo- most approachable work. It's, you know, songs are quite trim, three minutes, four minutes, lots of pop. 
um, lots of kind of big synths. If you're a fan of Cure in the 80s and lots of all of that kind of good stuff, New Order, you'll be on board with this. He's talked about how he's kind of really reminiscing about when he first got into music and it was the last days of Thatcher and um, it's kind of looking back but it's also very of the moment, I think. Lyrically, he's so on point. If you can get around the voice, which I, I adore his voice but I know it's a sticking point for some people but, I mean, yeah, it's just so literate, um, so immediate, and yeah, it's my favourite of the year, personally. Slight, sleek, strange, and Spider by Swan Lake is still the worst song of all time. But nonetheless, uh, I really <laughs> like this album, and I was very much a hard sell to a degree, because I do find Dan Behar's voice a bit difficult, you know? Like, I mean, when it works, it works, and it does work, but it can be a little bit, you know, the vaudevillian thrust, as I said on the review, can be... It, I guess it depends what kind of mood you're in but this is a really impressive album uh, and again you know if you want to kind of have a companion album I think that the Ariel Pink one dedicated to Bobby Jamison plows yeah. a similar strange psychedelic furrow and a strange kind of theatrical furrow as well but the songs in this as you kind of allude to Craig are really rich uh, lyrically they're very impressive very sharp very yeah. clever like there's some good satire and biting wit going on here yeah. dressed up in a pop melange that I very much enjoyed. <laughs> I, I, I very much enjoyed that. Pop melange. I know, a pop melange. Yeah. I know Colin Regan. Yeah, uh, Colin, take Colin Regan <laughs> o- uh, over on the uh, the idiosyncratic Shaylon. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Recl- reclining on, on my day, day bed, yeah. Um, you talk about conviction. It sounds like a song like, by one. <laughs> you mentioned the way that, you know, depending on your mood, you may or may not like Dan Bayer's voice. One of the things that impressed me most about this album is how completely and utterly it controls mood. It opens with Skies Grey and it yeah, sets yeah, a yeah. tone for the record where it's just like not to say you know where you, what you're getting from there on but it's just like okay this might be a little bleak on the surface so do prepare yourself yeah it reminds me of um plain song opening up disintegration by the cure it is that thing of just like here's what you're in for oh big time yeah yeah yeah. and i mean the centerpiece of the album which i mean i had a light travels down the catwalk as one of my top 20 songs of the year i think it's a phenomenal track but sitting as it does smack bang in the middle of this album it's you know in a sense it's almost a nadir because it's just like here's as bleak as we're gonna get on this record and come back up i don't think it ever wallows i think it's kind of it's a dressed oh, up no. kind of gorgeous kind of you know the best possible face of gloominess you know yeah. Kind of, yeah. oh absolutely and that's be- and I think because of that you know once you're conditioned as it were to expect that then you can delve further into the record and yeah, see that it's yeah, yeah. not actually just a sort of a, uh, a a dour grim sort of a creation well there's a few albums on, on this list that are very much like glass half full glass half empty you know choose your own adventure in that regard mm. this being one of them and this is maybe one of the most like straight laced about that fact I mean like very much just like pick your poison mm-hmm. yeah and it does it in like I say that kind of theatrical uh, stagecraft kind of way and I did find it actually a lot more optimistic than I had even previously realised I mean like like sitting down looking at the lyrics you know black and white on a page you're like fuck yeah. but the delivery and the, the kind of knowing wink that, that that goes with this as well yeah like I, I think this is actually a strangely uplifting album despite you know you could get yeah. very depressed by it, maybe. Yesterday we got a text saying, ha, turns out this album's brilliant. <laughs> what are we talking about, Craig? We're talking about this. Nine. Someone tell him that I'm back. I don't never ever slap. Grab my gun and go to war. I got brothers up in jail going mad up in their cells when you hear me bang your doors. Niggas moving chatty. Someone tell him that I'm scatty. Bro, I'll pull up on his sword like... 
Running through my strip, rappers jumping on my dick just to build up a report. I can tell them man are bitter, but they're begging not on Twitter, man. I swear I'm so poor. Before he takes a shot, I'm shooting first. And poor mum, we was going through her purse. We were doing road and doing church, but the devil in his face, that motherfucker, do your worst. Still here trying to find another blessing. Yes, London's finest and Craig's new hero, Stormzy. I get grime. I get grime. <laughs> it took a while, it's buddy. It's a Christmas miracle. Gang signs and prayer dropped early this year. First things first is what you heard. Um, deservedly on the best albums list, and I guess deservedly Stormzy in pretty much the centre of the universe at this point, as yeah. the album seems to have landed him. I think, I mean, uh, what was kind of, what definitely softened the waters for me, softened the waters, that's not a term, but no, kind no, of... go with it. Okay, so softening the waters for me was actually Drake's playlist more life I think to the uh-huh. whole grime thing of like I think bizarrely that was like my okay I can kind of see you know I can see why there's a drug. lot I think it was my gateway drug the cover of Stormzy's uh, Gang Science and Prayers is very reminiscent as well I thought of Kanye's Brits appearance where he got kind mm. of all the big shining oh, yeah. lights of grime on stage and it's kind of I think it's supposed to be evocative of that and there was a lot of talk at the time especially from them of like what a great thing it was to actually finally someone shine the spotlight on them but I think actually this totally stands on its own two feet and I don't think Stormzy needs really any help and in fact he's now helping them with the kind of credit he's given them. Like He's definitely, I mean he's one of the best rappers in the world on, on this evidence. It's just kind of such a thrilling thing. There's times where he sounds reminiscent of like Danny Brown and his most kind of, you know, just just propellant and insane at times but there's such smooth stuff there as well he compares himself to Jay-Z and you're like yeah you're actually better than Jay-Z at the moment mate (laughs) well coming from you coming from you Gray that's not the biggest uh... but it's just such a well kind of executed thing even the ballads the kind of Eminem should take note of here's how you can do a kind of poppy ballad thing with female vocals and it's brilliant do you know what I mean yeah Cigarettes and Kush with with Lily Allen and Kalani is a, a really arresting midpoint kind of lift uh, this is an amazing mix of confrontation and communion, and I think yeah, yeah. Stormzy, as he speaks truth to you know power, to peers, to rivals, and to a growing legion of fans, he sounds so comfortable. He never ever sounds like off. Everything clicks, everything works, everything moves, everything hits, and you can't have that unless you're totally committed and you're just self-aware to an extreme moment in in your kind of career and in your life and of course this is like this is the major label big debut this is the debut album proper of course he's been around the scene for quite a while mm-hmm. but this is the one this was like the okay there's so much pressure on his shoulders here can he deliver and he gives you an album that's quite long quite sprawling and there's a lot here it's very meaty but i'm never bored by it i'm always interested to see where he'll take me next and even those confrontational moments like it's not bullshit braggadociousness. I don't feel that he's just posturing. I don't feel that his, you know, his 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 beefs or his feuds or his concerns are small time and silly. Like there's just something about it. Like that he just has this ability to take you in, and you know, the gospel according to Stormzy is an amazing story. Like it's an incredibly literate and compelling read. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you there. It is well-rounded record, and I think that, you know, like you talked about kind of a ballad and, and, and introducing, you know, um, female vocals in, in, in the right way, uh, kind of more gospely touches on this record. It, it, it produces something that isn't just overwhelmingly aggressive, as, frankly, a lot of other grime releases can be, as even his own early releases were, typically. 
Um, and I think that's a large part of the reason why it sort of broke through to the mainstream in the way that it did. Um, and frankly, I mean, it's an album that we kind of needed, isn't it? Because, you know, you look at British culture over the past number of years. I mean, if anybody can remember, like, watching the London riots and stuff like that, you know, th- these are the sorts of stories that were behind those images. Yeah. We just, they weren't told in the right way, or at least they weren't spread uh, you know, amongst kind of common culture um, in the way that Stormzy's music has been. And, yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned kind of how Kanye and performing with him was kind of like, you know, this open door for some of those British artists. I think that in taking the time to sort of assess where they were at and, and how he was actually going to make the greatest impact, Stormzy was able to kind of like distill a lot of that anger, a lot of that sort of energy, as it were, and find artistic ways of expressing it that go way beyond just sort of rapid-fire rhymes. Yeah, I mean, like, he feels instantly iconic almost. I mean, like, like there's just a sense now that he's been elevated to such a level that it's like, okay, will this come crashing down? But I wouldn't bet against him. Yeah. There, there's a definite sense that we're dealing with someone here who has a power and recognizes that power and is kind of wielding it in the best possible way at the moment and hopefully that will continue and again Craig kind of mentions like you know balladry and like songs like Blinded by Your Grace parts one and two Mm -hmm. they're really beautiful moments like they're they're, they're really real as well and yeah I mean it's a stunning debut there's that word stunning that I didn't use in the last episode (laughs) I overused last year I like when you use but hey fuck it man if I'm gonna drop a one Stormzy deserves it yes up next Like I was all very excited. A real summer pop, yeah, summer power pop anthemic record from the boys Phoenix. Yeah, I was away when we reviewed this on the show, uh, but I threw it on on the train to work one morning, and I was just like, "Holy shit, have I woken up in two thousand nine again?" Because Wolfgang Amadeus was my soundtrack for touring the states that year, okay. and this takes me right back. I mean, talk about you still got it. This is uplifting <laughs> you pop. You do still got a comb, you do. <laughs> this, this is uplifting pop at its very, very best. It's got this quality where it almost seems to be fizzing over, whether it's the kind of like, you know, popping synths or the falsetto coming in every now and then. It it rises. It literally rises. Yeah, I think it's kind of fitting that it, you know, has those memories for you because it is that very exotic thing. And I always think with Phoenix, you know, they're so very French and sophisticated <laughs> but on this very album French. it's them kind of looking at Italy and being like oh those Italians they're so sophisticated not French but yeah. just sophisticated it's so like oh yeah what French people think other places are kind of glamorous and cool and somehow it just it like elevates it again and it's such an enjoyable fun listen they're like these are effort- effortless kind of indie pop songs they're so good at it it doesn't have the ho- real high points of Wolfgang Am- Amadeus, but I think over the course of it, and secondly, certainly in the second half, I think maybe as a collection of songs, it's stronger. And I, I really, I really enjoyed the last record, Bankrupt. It was, it had a, a, quite a number of flaws, but uh, I enjoyed it all the same. But this is a real proper return to form, um, which I wasn't particularly expecting. Um, 
but just from start to finish it's a joy to kind of dip back into and I'm constantly doing it I didn't like Bankrupt and I thought that it announced the band as being creatively bankrupt <laughs> but with t- an exclamation mark at the end but uh, Tiamo this record is a joy it's a fucking joy and it's like I, I think it's summed up best by a song like 2D Fruity because like that's just like the most surface level like let's just write a fun pop song and that's kind of applicable to the album as a whole. It's 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 short. It's ten tracks, which I love, of course, and it's brief, brief encounters. But they're really, really fun. And it feels like you're on holiday with the band. Like it yeah. just feels like you're. I love that holiday. It feels like you're milling around Rome, like or Florence, yeah. and you're just like going to really cool places. And you know, a lot of gelato, a lot of gelato, lot of gelato. Some great meals, some good fun <laughs> nights out, good weather, and, and good times. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it shouldn't work. This should be like that Master of None episode where he goes to Italy, and I wanted to throw my fucking fist through my laptop sure. screen because that show is pompous and incredibly <laughs> arrogant and irritating and I fucking hate it however Phoenix's album is a ray of sunshine that I was glad to have in my life it kind of reminds me of like what Blondie's maybe parallel lines or even kind of Duran Duran the 80s where it's just like this is really well tailored pop yeah that's kind of just immaculate and fun and that's what it's there for and just don't overthink it maybe but weirdly, it's also it's real escapism as yeah, well yeah, yeah, the yeah. same way that Duran Duran yeah. sort of like with the videos you know like on the boat yeah, and you're yeah, like yeah, god yeah. what's that lifestyle like in the same way you listen to this record and you're just like God, I wish I was that cool. Imagine, just let's spend the next 45 minutes pretending I'm this cool. Yeah, yeah. But the weird thing is, like, that's like, it's a gap in the market. Like, I mean, sure. like, like that kind of throwback, let's just have some fun. Not everything needs to be, and I know I'm saying this as a fucking podcast host about music, but ultimately not everything needs to be hyper-analyzed and what's the subtext, and I love my subtext, but like, if you get it right on the surface, then pop can be the most magical thing in the world. And this yeah. album is proof of that. And it's it's just, as I say, a joy. A band that uh, enjoyed quite the success last week. Not as successful this week. Seven. Yeah, the horrors who topped our song of the year chart uh, seven days ago. Their album V slots in at number seven. That was point of no reply. It's a pretty good return, though. It like, is. Yeah. It's not yeah. bad, to be fair. Um, at the same time, though, we alluded to it somewhat that this album was probably not as consistent as we might have hoped. Yeah, possibly. Um, I think it has a consistency, but... <sighs> I don't know. I it, it, I think maybe sometimes the aesthetic of it leaves me a little cold because it can sound a bit cold. I mean, that's what it's drawing on a lot of the time. And it is that industrial... I don't want to say steampunk, so I'm not going to say steampunk. It is mechanical, punk, though. Yeah, it is yeah. mechanical. Um, but it's extremely well executed. And I think the kind of clutch of songs where they really nail it, they're, I think they're going to keep their best band in Britain tag for a while yeah this possibly. to me has Not cemented give, them yeah has cemented so. them as the best brand yeah. in Britain and uh, no I, I, I wouldn't take Cullen's narrative I think this is a very consistent album and I think that you know tracks like Machine and the one that we heard there Point of No Reply and of course our song of the year last week Something to Remember Me By yeah. they all have such incredibly rich individual 
apex moments where you're like, oh, wow, that's like, Jesus Christ, where did that come from? Yeah. And whether it's little production flourishes, like I'm pointing a reply when the song itself just kind of envelops you and creeps up on you for that kind of amazing kind of final run. Or Machine, which is just a stomper, I think you compared to Gary Newman at the time, call him. And I remember us reviewing that with Sean Adams and I remember saying, like, I think this is one of the best albums of the year and I stand by that. At the end of the year, I think it's fucking brilliant. Like, there's an alchemy about this band that few others have and I love what they do. And this kind of got me back on side. Luminous, I think, is a good album, but I didn't think it kind of stood up well over time. Really? You see, I, I think I might pick Luminous over this. And really? I, think, I think it's maybe just a ta- like a point of taste on the sound, the aesthetic of it. Right. you know what I mean? I think maybe the songs on this possibly stand up more, but I think I did delve back to Luminous a bit more. I think certainly musically, I think this is incredibly strong. And I think the vocally as well, Faris has kind of stepped up his game yeah, a little yeah. bit because he does he sounds need- tremendous on this. Yeah, and he, frankly, he needs a little more because I think he could have got blown over away a little bit when this well when this gets a little more of the kind of industrial crunch you yeah know, and he's it, very tall and thin as well so it's a risk exactly yeah, yeah fly out a window if you let it open um <laughs> li- body shaming Faris Bodwan <laughs> lyrically it is a little bit weak I know it's ironic to say it's straight after the Phoenix record but you do just kind of sit there and go Sorry, what do you on about? I just think... But well, hologram, but the, for instance, I know, is full-on are we human, are we dancer sort of territory I where don't you're know. just like, huh? Because I don't, I don't think it feels awkward. It feels like great pop writing in terms of the sounds of it are brilliant. Oh, yeah. I mean? no, no, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah, good record. And frankly, as well, we've spoken about it a number of times when we review albums. A good ending is just like serving a strong dessert in a meal or something like that. It will send you home with a smile on your face. <laughs> and something to remember me by as a closing track in a record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that helps. That and helps it, a lot, You man. do kind of leave thinking of, like, they could kind of go anywhere from this. They yeah. could do anything. Um, extremely talented. Bunch of lads. Bunch of lads. <laughs> Coming up next. Six. Oh. My social life is now quite a bit less hectic The nightlife and the protests are pretty scarce Now I mostly spend the long days walking through the city Yeah, that was before the revolution. It's taken from Pure Comedy, the album from one Father John Misty. Yeah, Pure Comedy. Um, it's long. It's occasionally indulgent. Um, and he's, he says it's purposely indulgent. Um, but my God, it's got some tremendous songwriting on it. And it's there because I kept... like I kept... I had problems with it when we reviewed it. I definitely kind of called it out for, you know, being slightly bloated and being a bit one-paced. But I kept being drawn back to it. Sure. Um, And the best stuff on it is just, he's like in a class of his own as a singer-songwriter, an American singer-songwriter. Lyrically, it's great. The title track is a very, you know, once again, state of the nation address, which is the toughest thing to pull off. But I think... When that arrived, it was a real moment of, I think it was like the day after Trump got it, elected. It, it, or, it was three days after. He dropped it on after. the Monday. Yeah, yeah, Trump yeah. had been inaugurated. No, it was the inauguration. He dropped it on the And it felt like a real, like, oh, we need this kind of thing. Moments. Yeah. You see, the, and this yeah. is the thing as well. Yeah. I, I remember using this exact phrase when we reviewed it. I said it might not be the album that we wanted, but it might be the album that we deserved. And that 
you know, I think because Pure Comedy was released immediately after Trump's inauguration, because it was clear that this was going to be a sort of a, a politically motivated record, I was expecting something of a skewering. I was expecting something that was going to be really pointed and really aggressive, I suppose, in some terms. And I remember feeling a little bit underwhelmed that it was just like, oh, it's it's actually quite just straight talking and not all that adventurous in terms of, you know, how it addresses some of these issues. But it kind of does just, you know, it, it, it just hammers people over the head with it because the absurdity of modern life and of modern politics and blah, blah, blah apparently still hasn't been understood. And so that's why song after song, it's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Just trying to wake people up to it, essentially. The one thing that I would say as well, though, is that, like, I mean, you call him, like, you know, an American singer-songwriter or something. This is closer to the work of a composer. Now, credit for that also has to go to Gavin Bryars, who is yeah. responsible for the arrangements, but everything here is compositionally exquisite. It's quite phenomenal. Things that it would be helpful to know before the revolution is the full song title. If you're going to if we're going to go full in, John, Father John Missy indulgence well then we should give it the full <laughs> yeah. title uh, Pitchfork in their year in disappointment 2017 had a bunch of kind of snarky one-liners and one of them says seems like Father John Misty had a good point still not sure what it is and I was a cheerleader for this album <laughs> pure comedy <laughs> well, <laughs> it's pretty good isn't it it's a good line it is a good line and I think he'd appreciate it himself mm. because it's kind of true uh, I was a cheerleader for this album and I am a cheerleader for this album I think it's great but I will say that it is quite an exhausting epic listen and it does get to a point where you're like okay I need a break from this now and my break from this now has lasted most of the year I've gone back to individual moments but I haven't actually listened to it in full I don't think since I reviewed it um, because to be fair it's a commitment oh yeah I mean I think leaving LA alone if you just remove that suddenly the album is an hour long <laughs> yeah it <laughs> is yeah, yeah, for sure yeah uh, and yeah he's guilty of making his point and making it again there are tracks here that I would absolutely get rid of the memo being one of them but the moments of you know kind of titanic songwriting that are on here are maybe the best he's ever done I think the title track is brilliant uh Obviously, we talked last week about So I'm Growing All the Magic Mountain. I think in 20 years or so is a wonderful way to end the album. And I think it is that kind of weird thing again, glass half full, glass half empty. Uh, my kind of take on this album is that, you know, uh, we're all fucked, but you can learn to welcome oblivion. Yeah, I really, because he does kind of keep making, I think that is the point he is making. Well done, Dave, you, you've nailed it. Um, Thank but with, you. Like, with a song like Things Would Have Been Helpful to Know Before the Re- Revolution, it's a refreshing kind of twist on that. That's why I kind of like singled that out because it's very concise and it's kind of a humorous take on, okay, post the apocalypse. And it's the one point where what was kind of tiring to me was the amount of Elton John comparisons he's suddenly getting. He's a better singer than Elton John, I think. He's got more range. There, I said it. And he's a better lyricist than Bernie Taupin. Let's relax. All right. All right. Dave has already said, I'm the human embodiment of the best of Elton John. So I've got to back up my boy here. Passive aggressive. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, pure comedy feels like a spiritual sequel to Rocketman. I mean, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> like, it does. The world's most natural Venn diagram. But no, this is the thing. I mean, like, like this is this is a production. Like, you know, this is like the, the breezy Americana singer-songwriter vibes are parked in favour of this orchestral behemoth of a record. I was going to, sorry, I was just going to ask, what do you think he does next? Do you think he completely did get, he's got this out of his system, or do you think this is, we're going to get more of this? I was and, just about to say, yeah. same as you said with the horrors, you finish this record and you think, 
he could go anywhere from here. Yeah. I think he'll do a Stomp and Holler album. <laughs> <laughs> He's always threatening it, yeah. Finally defining what exactly that is. Yeah, if anyone wants to take that on, I think he would do it. Um, but with the, again, it's a good question to have, isn't it? Like, like what's, yeah, it what is, will yeah. he do next? Because nobody expected this, per se. Yeah. And Well, I, I hope whatever he does next, he kind of continues to take himself a lot more seriously than I think that people think that he does. I mean, like, I mean, I think he's made three albums today. Two are very similar. And one is, you know, this kind of strange hodgepodge of a thing. And I admire the ambition greatly. I, I love the album. I, I, I think this is brilliant. I really, really do. But at the same time, you know, it is different yeah. and it is demanding and it is challenging and it is self-indulgent in the extreme. And I feel like that's the point. I don't want pure comedy too. And I don't think we need it. No. I don't either. So, I, th- I think the point has been made, and as you said, maybe more than once. I look forward to that synthwave double album <laughs> that he will bring out next summer. Well, you'd never know, because bringing us into the top five is a man who's certainly changed his tune this year. Five. Yeah, Vince Staples, his sophomore effort, Big Fish Theory, bag back taken from that record you're hearing there. Um, this is boundary jumping, really. This is yeah. genre redefining, redefining. And for me, there's a fourth wall coming down almost as Vince Staples looks back at the old Vince, at you know the Vince we heard about in summertime '06, his debut double record, and sort of says, "God, things have changed." Yeah, um, it's very eclectic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's got great taste. This sounds very like it's kind of that rain drenched again UK thing. Kind of we've got you know the echoes of you know the ghost of a- a- Amy Winehouse kind of hanging over this. It's very brooding. Um, it took me a while to get into it. It's a real grower, but kind of once you're in there, it's it. He actually becomes quite approachable. Um, Big Fish is an amazing song, by the way. How was that not one of our songs of the year? I, I completely forgot about it. I was listening to it earlier in the week. I was just like, this is an absolute stomper, right? Were you up late night balling? <laughs> I was, yeah. That's uh, fantastic. And there's some, yeah, just great, great songs on this. He's a really, really accomplished dude at this point. I mean, it's just... Yeah, I know. I, th- I think it's right. You say brooding, and it is brooding. Yeah. But it's also, you know, it's vivid vicious, vivacious, with a vociferous vernacular <laughs> to match. <laughs> and I think a track like Bag Back sums it up because that is like this kind of three-minute belt. Colm just rolled his eyes at me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that song is awesome because it's, it is, it's awesome. Like, it's, it's all, it's awestruck and it's coming at you with everything it's got and the lyrics are really, really pointed. I mean, you know, like lines like we need uh, Tamiquas and Shaniquas in that Oval Office. Like, it's, like, like it's, it's, one, of yeah, the, it's yeah. one of the better barbs aimed at the 45th president of the United States there's so much going on in this album and like to incorporate these dance elements like these 90s mm. British dance elements here and there to use the spirit of Amy Winehouse quite literally on a track and to kind of invo- uh, involve the likes of Sophie and other producers and then involve even Damon Albarn for an undercurrent it's so impressive and I remember I saw him perform Love Can Be uh, on a talk show during the summer and he just had this practiced air of apathy about him 
and again I was like well he's doing something here he's playing some character he's do, he, you know he's got this is the this is the point there's just some there's so much focus about this guy like I, I find him almost frightening I mean like, like there's the sense that he can do literally anything yeah mm. he's a funny dude and he's a clever dude as well um but for me yeah it's it's how he uses beats and the music on this record to just elevate what he's saying and what he's talking about at just about every turn it seems and you know find some of it is more throwaway than others but it's, yeah it just all seems so perfectly tailored do we often see with hip hop where you know rappers can be very accomplished and just have kind of great you know flow but they're being handed maybe beats and they're just like yeah I can definitely do something over this whereas with Vince it's very much no I need this to all tie into the one yeah. mood and it needs to be spe- yeah well you see this is the thing because like he's not beyond subverting it either I think that a lot of the time you probably get guys who are handed a beat and it's you know a big poppy anthem and they're like oh right this is the one where I write a party song yeah 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 and then you know this is the dark one so this is where I'll address the serious matter Yes. Whereas he's more than willing to go, all oh, right, this is a proper club beat, could be my party song, but no, I'm going to make it my actual kind of social justice address. He feels like a kind of proper like music nerd to me. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he's I just think so. kind of, yeah, he's, he's obsessive about it. He knows kind of the tricks, he knows the reference points, and he uses them so well. He's restless. Yeah. And he's gone from like mixtapes to EPs to a double album to another EP to this, mm. all of which are incredibly different and yet retain a, a through line, a narrative through line. I mean, like, you know, he seems to be quite a driven and fiery young man who has a lot of things to say. But also, yeah, I, the music nerd thing comes through as well. I mean, he's clearly enjoying working with the names that he's attracting with each new release and retaining some of the vocalists he's worked with before. Uh, he's only 24 years of age, and like he feels like the finished article in the sense that he feels really sharp at the moment and like very on top of his game. But again, like there's just so many places that this guy can go, and yeah. that's what that's what's extremely exciting. I mean, like it wouldn't surprise me if he started a fucking band tomorrow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you, like you can clearly tell that this guy saw this dance music and was just like, well, there's no reason I can't use this. Yeah. So you can imagine that like he's somewhere watching Philharmonic orchestras and stuff, just going like, well, yeah, there's no reason why I can't do that either. Yeah, he's completely melting barriers and boundaries and doing it with such panache. Well, maybe he'll join these guys. Four. Yeah, with Skyline, this is um, Hug of Thunder from Broken Social Scene, Canada's best band, sorry, Destroyer, I guess. I think of that more of a one-man Wolf band. Wolf Parade, baby. Oh, yeah. Canada, good country. Definitely not Arcade Fire, though. But, no, um, definitely not. This was long away to return. Uh, it felt very necessary and very welcome. Um, it was a kind of big communal effort. Got them all in a room together. It wasn't just kind of being phoned in, literally or figuratively. Um and yeah this was I remember the first listen through of this being like okay bit tentative what are we going to get is this going to be a letdown and just several moments where I kind of went ah I can relax and oh oh great this is yeah this is totally working for me and then it just continued to reveal itself and you know seven years on from Forgiveness Rock Record where it felt at that point like yes I'm enjoying it but I don't think a broken social scene record or new record is kind of essential anymore yeah. This definitely felt essential to me. It did, yeah. Um, I think I 
recounted on this podcast what it was like for the first time I listened to this album I finished it and I just went right I've no idea whether that was actually good or not or or if (laughs) I was just getting really really happy and nostalgic because it is right back to this kind of self-titled record in 06 I think 11 years ago and the difficult thing about a band uh, like this where you've got 15 members on and off they come and go but it has to be all hands on deck. Broken Social Scene have done projects before where I think they had, like, you know, Kevin Drew presents Broken Social Scene, or yeah. Broken Social Scene presents Kevin Drew. And Never so basically, quite works. Yeah, so it was kind of one person writing the album, the others just filling in as musicians or collaborators or whatever. And, yeah, it just doesn't work. You need this sort of, like, everybody pulling in the same direction. And that's why, I mean, normally I cringe when I see bands saying, you know, oh, well, we felt we had to get back together and record this album for the fans. And you just think, come on, like, you're not actually a charity here. This is just a hard sell on the record. Whereas this, though... Cynic. Yeah, well, in general, that's how I feel. But with this, yeah, I completely buy it because I think they have to feel strongly and they have to be impassioned in that way to Mm. all end up on the same page and end up creating something like this. I think I had this in my inbox for like about a week before I went near it. I think I mentioned this to you <laughs> and I remember like you're kind of like, you know, like, like ears and eyes just pricking up for a second and I was like, oh shit, okay. I didn't realize. It's like the time that people in my office mentioned hiring a magician there last week. <laughs> he loves the magician. He loves a good magician. Yeah, what? Sorry? And, I, and you're like, can you, can I get that? Can, will you download it please? And I was like, oh yeah, hang on, I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow I suppose. And then I got to it and I was like, wait a minute, this is pretty fucking good. Uh, because I just didn't really have any, I didn't, I didn't really Fuck with Broken Soul Scene much, you know, good good or bad beforehand. I didn't really realize what I was missing out on. And as it transpires, it turns out it's a bit of a magical album. And yeah, yeah, I've seen some people kind of disparage it, though, being like, this is a comeback that we didn't need. And that, that record sure proved it. And I was like, really? Do we hear the same thing? Because this is just ridiculously enjoyable. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. I mean, to be fair, one reason why you're always going to get that sort of criticism is because I'm sure you have diehard Feist fans who the last thing they want to see is her kind of getting distracted by side projects. Metric yeah. fans as well. Exactly, and then multiply that out precisely <laughs> across, you know, kind of ten separate projects. What I do like about this is even when they're not all kind of, you know, in the moment working together on a song and it's that combined broken social scene thing, what I love about the album is the context it gives songs when they're more like individual solo turns so they just kind of, it's like that like a kind of Beatles White Album thing where it really mixes up in moods and kind of one personality in the context of the two songs next to it it just kind of elevates everything around it and yeah, that's why it works for me as a collection There are just so many little things though in what they do and I don't think any band has a better ability to just like make my hair stand on end by bringing in a brass section they just time it beautifully and it just elevates what about when they do it what about the national <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, no, they, yeah didn't think i was gonna say yeah, then did yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the national yeah but no <laughs> did, you hear, did you hear about this band called the national yes. <laughs> tell us more <laughs> okay up next uh, an album i didn't want to review <laughs> three Tomorrow you'll be back again Hang your head in, let me in I'm waiting So long Hey, it's the war on drugs 
<laughs> that song is called Pain. The album's called A Deeper Understanding, and it's my album of the year. Yeah. I remember when you're complaining to me, you're like, "I'll talk about it. Just don't want to listen to it." Yeah, and as it turns out, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> I can't believe it, man. I'm, I'm stunned. I'm shocked. Uh, I don't understand, but yeah, it is. It's my album of 2017, and it takes our bronze medal. So, Jesus, I mean, like this was the like. How do I put this? I mean, like. There's a couple of albums on the list, and I guess the remaining ones that are coming all fall into this bracket to a degree. But, like, I just completely sank into this. I just, like, no other album this year really took me away as much as this one did. I got genuinely lost with it. And it came after the fact. I mean, we reviewed it on the show, and I, I gave it a good review, and I was very much like, this is really fucking good. And you're like, no, it is. But I remember there was one day in particular where, like, I went on a long walk uh, to my dentist, my steampunk dentist mm-hmm. out in Crumlin, and it was a gloomy, gloomy day. And I, I threw this on because it's a long album. And I just found myself completely transfixed and hypnotized. And luckily I didn't wander into traffic or anything. Uh, but it's just got that weird transportative element to it where yeah. I'm like, this is magic. And again, it's basically, you know, fucking Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen heroics. That, and I should be like, well, uh, I hate this. I'm going to run a mile. But I don't know what it is. I used the word alchemy before. And yeah. I just throw this on and it takes me away. It, like a lot of the success as with I think a lot of art generally a lot of the success is down to the fact that it does sort of disregard what you might have as ground rules for an album that you would normally like the fact that nearly every song is kind of six minutes means that there's time and space to as you say you just kind of build something that you can really fall into the fact that it draws so heavily on that sort of classic Americana sound of songwriting means that there's a familiarity to everything and that you know not that you've heard it all before by any means but you're certainly not jarred along the way but that's never my go-to like I, I, that's not that's not my genre like I, I never throw on a Bruce Springsteen album I never throw on like you know a really good roots rock American record I has, has, is this good enough to make you question your whole like you know music listening history and go well, you know what I'm gonna go back to Bruce's late 70s and early 80s um, things I mean it's not that it isn't it's just that I don't have the time at the moment yeah, it's yeah. like no doing, time for Bruce. Doing eh? the weekly the show means like, I, I, I gotta stay on top of the new releases, for which I'm sure the listeners appreciate. Good but answer. I mean, at the same time, sure. I, like, I mean, it's not that I was ever snobby about, like, no, you yeah. know, kind of Heartland Rock. I just don't have a great grow for it, you know what I mean? But there's just something about this. And in Pain, by the way, um, the guitar flourish at the end of it, like, where it just, he adds on like another fucking layer of flange or whatever the fuck he's putting yeah. on there. <laughs> But it's just knockout. It's great, like, yeah. It's blow away. It's like, what the fuck? And, and it wouldn't have the same effect unless you had those kind of, you know, like leisurely stroll first five minutes. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand how these songs are so powerful, but they are. I think it's like, you know, when you see people losing their minds to like, you know, hair band guitar solos and stuff and just be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like, what what is going on? That's how you feel about what he's doing. Do you know that kind of way? It's like, oh, that they must feel that way about this inferior music. It's definitely, it's one of the best produced rock albums I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, he's an absolute dawn in the studio, right? <laughs> he's just like, whatever instrument he turns his hand to, like, the sound of the thing is just brilliant. I think on this one, I mean, Lost in a Dream was just him, essentially, which still boggles the mind. This time, he actually let the band into the studio yeah. and takes it even higher again. And it's just, I don't know how he keeps coming up with the riffs. The riffs all sound like they should have been written 30 years ago, but someone just forgot to write them. And he's just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I'll have those ones. <laughs> and they're great. I mean, you know, I really like his voice. Lyrically, it's a bit cliche. And 
I think maybe sometimes the melodies, whilst gorgeous, aren't always the most memorable. But as a long kind of listen that you can sink into, it's quite the experience. It's just like stellar, stellar rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it is. It's an it's an album to just sink into, to disappear into for a while, <clears throat> and kind of spits you back out seventy minutes later, and you're just like, huh. <laughs> I remember listening to this song the on the, again, I remember right? listening to this I listen, I'm engaged now? I listened to this album on the way to work And I legit kind of turned around Thinking that I'd missed my stop Turns out I'd only and been there was, uh, Sorry, sorry And there, there was Adam Grandisil in the corner Being yeah. like You're right where you need to be, buddy Turns out I was only 15 minutes down the road Like, but that's what a story. <laughs> Jesus, took me away to a different place. Uh, yeah, it's it's fabulous. Like it's fucking amazing, and it's musical quicksand. As is our silver medal. Two. So, earlier on, I did say that there was this his album was the second best R&B record about kind of hookup culture and kind of naked expression and serious ownership, and that's because Kalela. I mean, you know, could anything possibly come close to this on that score? Even an album as good as that? Probably not, no. This is the perfect combination of, I guess, the classic sound and a throwback sound with someone who is a fresh and exciting new performer. Um... Yeah, just a marriage made in heaven, really. She'd worked with the producers for a long time. Mm. The album had been a long time in the making. And, uh, yeah, clearly time well spent. Yeah, I mean, released a kind of couple of EPs, um, which were ex- more than promising, just really kind of well-executed R&B with very sometimes abrasive or cold avant-garde kind of productions on them. And on this, I mean, she, it, like it's somehow even kind of... Uh, it's better than expected. Um, there's a little warmth kind of let in there. Um, there's like a range of talents kind of coming up with the beats and working on a production. Ark is there, Jam City. But she's executive producer and she's talked about how basically she was in control of, okay, here's, you know, give me kind of what you got and then I'll see how exactly this is going to fit into my overall kind of master plan. And it's just like, yeah, a total record of control. Um, she totally dominates on it. Um, it's a discussion about it's kind of that age old thing of just like breakup of one relationship being single finding someone else and yet it doesn't feel cliched in that way and it switches up and um, keeps you kind of wrapped with really strong beats uh, great R&B hooks and just a kind of very very it's like a powerhouse performance from her yeah Take Me Apart is the name of the album and it's literal like it's very much a case of deconstructing the artist like thereof and of course we've mentioned numerous times that we caught Kalela at Forbidden Fruit a few years ago unfortunately yeah. Cullen was indisposed uh, in a very bad <laughs> yeah, place altogether uh, but it was yeah it, it was apparent there to Craig and myself immediately that it was like okay well you know there's something here this is a star 
there's really something special going on here. And then we had to wait, and I think it was worth it. I mean, even from the opening track, Frontline, like, there's that kind of, just like, that little kind of clever thing of, like, hearing, like, a car alarm go off or a car being yeah, unlocked. Yeah. And, like, this, those little touches, kind of similar stuff on the, the horror record this year as well, actually, which I think is a very, very good album, where you feel like you're taken to a place and you feel like you're kind of on this kind of narrative journey and whether it's one night with Kalela and kind of like, you know, her kind of wins and losses and that kind of stuff going on, like, is interesting. I mean, Blue Light is the track that we used to play there and I think it's one of the most sumptuous songs like that we've mm. ever played on the show ever. Like, it's just this ridiculously rich and huge sounding production while also never losing the intimacy of what's on display here. And again, we talked about it on, like during the review column and it was like, it was just fucking knockout. Like we were just like, like this is so like enveloping. It's so like disarming, and it really kind of takes you away. But it's also completely lived in, as in like you know she's been burned. She's not afraid to say it, and in fact, in a far more forthright way than most songwriters would. But at the same time, then is sort of doing it in in a way that's wrapped up in like you wouldn't say easy listening by any means, but like the sort of tracks and the production that's incredibly pleasant and incredibly easy to actually understand and to get on board with uh when we were reviewing the album the first time she mentioned that you know she viewed the producers as the anchors of the album and i think that's a perfect way to describe it because it is kind of like a skeletal framework around which she's able to build everything and that you know her vocals her stories can kind of go off and do their own thing and often like i say in a very modern very fresh way but there is actually a sort of a, a base of just sort of really classic, clean production. Yeah, that. no, that's a really good point because it, there's so many kind of moving parts and it's big sounding and spacious and it could, quite frankly, end up a mess. Like, this is a very difficult thing to pull off, but there is that base and there's a real painstaking detail and laser focus and she's at the centre of everything and it just comes off like clockwork. It's perfect. Yeah, and like with the exception of a like track like Let Me Know, it's not really interested in radio play. It's not really interested in singles. It's not like like it's very much a linear piece. Mm, yeah. And with that regard, I mean, you kind of have to go into it and take it on its own terms. And as I say, really sink into it. And you know, as debuts go, it's a masterpiece. Oh, it's absolutely extraordinary yeah. as a debut. And it has like that kind of like that nineties R and B thing kind of updated for the modern age because again, bit of a gap in the market. Like there just isn't that many compelling R and B records out there at the moment, at least not in twenty seventeen. And this stands head and shoulders above them. And it's a very, very worthy number two. And there's only one album that kinda almost barely even beat it out. And who could it possibly be? One. Hell raising, well chasing, new worldly possessions. Flesh making, spirit breaking, which one would you listen? Better part the human heart, you love them or dissect them. Happiness or flashiness, how do you serve the question? See, in the perfect world, I would be perfect world. I don't trust people enough beyond their surface world. I don't love people enough to put my faith in man. I put my faith in these lyrics, hoping I make a band. I understand I ain't perfect, I probably won't come around. This time I might put you down, last time I ain't give a fuck. I still feel the same now, my feelings might go numb. You're dealing with cold though, I'm willing to give up a leg and arm to show empathy from. Lady parties and functions are you and yours. A perfect world, you probably never. It's that man. Matchball Lamar, as Richard <laughs> Chambers called him on the show before. Kendrick Lamar, K. Dot himself. The album is Damn, and our list, uh, you know, joins many others in hailing it at the top of the mountain. Yeah, 
It was a cigarette paper between it and Kalela. Very much so. And it was that kind of thing of just like, yeah, maybe he's the obvious choice, but possibly for a reason. You I'm, know what? Yeah. This is it. Like, I had Kendrick at the top of my list, and I, I did struggle in terms of separating three albums. And what swung it for me in the end was that Damn feels irreplaceable. That with Kalela, I mean, we just talked, you know, like this was her debut record. There's a good chance that she comes out with a second album and a third in the coming years that are as good as Take Me Apart. And if they are, you'll probably listen to Take Me Apart a little bit less. That's just what happens. If Broken Social Scene go into studio in a few years' time and make another record that's as good as Hug a Thunder, you'll probably end up listening to Hug a Thunder a little less because that's just kind of what happens. I can't see any record that Kendrick Lamar could go in and really and make and release next year that would make me listen to Damn Less. Maybe that's just because there are stories that you know can't be replicated. There yeah. are also stories that, are, frankly, are so timeless that you know you know that they'll live on. But there's just something about this record that I imagine going back to again and again and again. I imagine that if you put it into a time capsule and dug it up in twenty years' time, you'd go, "Oh yeah, that was 2017, wasn't it?" It did feel immediately like it was always going to occupy a very specific space in his discography, definitely. I mean, coming off the back of To Pimp a Butterfly, which was heralded as a masterpiece and just a real kind of once-in-a-generation album that meant a huge amount to a lot of people. And, you know, he embraced jazz. It was quite experimental and just kind of this masterwork. Whereas this felt more like, okay, here's me just showing my mastery of kind of where I came from, bringing it back to more roots and maybe more orthodox rap stuff, but using that as a base then just to tell all these incredible stories I've got and really show... I mean, he keeps adding strings to his bow as a rapper, which is a bit frightening, really. He, he, like, he has a few new tricks on this as well, where it's just... We've talked before about like his, kind of, his new repetition thing, which is just fantastic. And I think what maybe... <laughs> swung up for me with this was as a fan of messing with track lists <laughs> once I saw him decide on the collector's edition that he was going to flip the whole thing around and yes actually it did work back to front as well I was just like oh shit he did it yeah that's great that's very clever <laughs> but Anthony Fantano says it doesn't work backwards oh well then I stand corrected I think it does work backwards yeah, I, think it's arguably, it's great. I think it's arguably even better backwards I, I prefer it actually now yeah. To, yeah. Be, to be honest when you look at it though whichever direction you can kind of see like the tracks that are coupled together you can see that like it doesn't really matter which one comes first which one comes sure. second they'll still go together I said it last week that I feel Duckworth and DNA are basically just the bookends of the record and that either way you're going to get an intensely personal beginning or end whichever way you play it through so you can kind of see how it makes sense how does the Bono future hold up do we think <laughs> good I think it's great whereas and then you 2 it turned out you 2 used that bit for one of their own songs American song Soul for, yeah, yeah. which is not as good no it isn't <laughs> it so kudos isn't. to Kendrick for that yeah allegedly they had it first and they were like we want to work with Kendrick and he was like can I put you on my album and he got the better end of the I think the, it really the works and it's like this kind of he, Bono almost sounds like this lounge lizard thing yeah. it's just it disconnected does it does yeah. work yeah. and it's the rare example increasingly rare example of Bono getting a, a caustic commentary on America, but it actually working in the context of this overall thing, because, of course, this is, you know, arguably about Kendrick's destiny in America. Yeah. And it's brilliantly realised. I mean, I can't lie, I must confess, I still thought I was going to get a different album when I first heard the first track, because there's just an... Inc- that's an amazing short story, a, le- a less than two-minute parable almost where I'm like whoa that was just so magnetic and strange and different and fantastic and you know weird and then you know DNA comes along and yeah it's look it's five star absolute blistering belter of a song 
but I wanted to kind of keep going down that weird road he was going down. Yeah. And I hope he does re- revisit it because, but I mean, does that speak to how good he is that in two minutes he can conjure up this fucking narrative and then throw it away? I but, think it does a little bit. I mean, like, this is a real, like, taking on all comers record, like, and it's not just about rap beefs or about, you know, society at large, but, like, everything from the media to the listeners to, to other rappers, whatever, he is in blistering form, like you say, and I think basically he seems to recognise that his own position now, his own status within music and within culture at large, means that he actually can sort of just spray all over because, you know, he matters everywhere. Mm. Yeah, it's that's the thing. It's like this is an album in which somebody is very aware of who is listening and how to communicate with that audience and then to use that kind of power and not to use it for frivolity. Like there's not there's not a breath wasted here, I think, on anything that's beneath him. Everything seems to have some kind of overarching message whether you're, you know, part of Kendrick's family, like who, who gets like important shout outs, like, you know, his niece is a, a, a pivotal figure despite only getting a couple of mentions or whatever, mm-hmm. or the the wider world at large, critics included. And in that regard, it's an amazing heavyweight, very lean album that does deal with these things and, you know, sidesteps the Tip and Butterfly scope yeah. for its own inward kind of thing. Yeah. It's also significantly uh, easier listening than to be butterfly. It is, like, yeah, yeah. It's maybe a more enjoyable. There's actually something listening. enjoyable, and what's more, that just helps it to get its message across because you will keep going back to it. I feel like it's necessary. He needed to take a step like this and not quite regroup, but just kind of, you know, remind people of why he got to that position in the first place. And it must be incredible, incredibly difficult to be in his position at this point, where he is the voice for not just a generation, but almost a community. And, I mean, with this, he just handles it so bloody well. <laughs> so, fair play to him. <laughs> yeah, well done, Kevin. Well done, Kevin. Indeed. Yeah. Bravo. Okay, that does it for our albums of the year, and that does it for No Encore for 2017. Before we go, uh, I'd say, first of all, thank you very, very much to Craig Fitzpatrick. Thank you. It's thank been you. a delight. Thank you very much to Cole Morrigan. Hello, thank you. My boys, uh, the show would not be the same without them, and I'm delighted that the three of us come together on a weekly basis and talk shy about music, basically. Uh, to our proud parents, Alan and Paddy at the Headstuff organization. Yes. And to our sonic architect, Eve, who came on board to the show this year and has made us sound as good as we do and even better as we go. We are forever in your debt, Eve. Thank you so, so much for all yep. the hard work that you do and for making this show sound as good as it does. We'd be lost without you. So thank you very, very much. And it's been a big year for the show. I mean, we had our first ever live show and then we kind of had, you know, another three of, of, of a different sort as it went along so um, thank you to literally every single person who has either come to a live show or even just tunes in who like kind of spread the word about the show and all that kind of stuff um, seriously it means an awful lot to us the show is growing and that's really comforting uh, comforting to know and it's not something that we necessarily were expecting to, to happen but it seems to be going that way which is amazing uh, we yeah so thanks It's it's amazing to have people who care about what we have to say and yeah so to everyone like we're going to come back for season three and it'll be good i hope <laughs> that's my <laughs> quite the promise that's my, sir. that's my bold prediction <laughs> yeah, yeah. big talk mystic meg over here uh, if you ever want to get in touch with the show uh you can email us now we have electronic mail capabilities now oh my you God. can email us at no encore at headstuff.org so if you want to get in touch over christmas and ask us some questions uh if we ever get a bunch of good questions maybe we'll do an episode on that who knows uh, am I forgetting anything, guys? I probably am. Happy Christmas. 
Yeah. Uh, happy happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, like fucking happy Christmas, happy New Year. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back very soon, but we're going to take a week or two off because we feel like we've earned it. It's been a very long year, but it's been a, a big year, an interesting year, a productive year, and a very, very fun one. So thank you again. And to play us out this week, Matchball Lamar himself. I wish Richard Chambers hadn't put that nickname in my head because it sounds so demeaning, even though it's not. Uh, we're going to give you the first two tracks off Dam because I kind of feel like they, you know, are a one-two punch of absolute majesty. So here they are. My name is David William Hanready. This has been No Encore for 2017. There will be No Encore Season 3 in 2018. And here is Kendrick Lamar, our album of the year. See ya. Is it wickedness? Is it weakness? You decide. So I was taking a walk the other day And I seen a woman A blind woman Pacing up and down the sidewalk She seemed to be a bit frustrated As if she had dropped something and Having a hard time finding it So after watching her struggle for a while I decided to go over and lend a helping hand, you know. Hello, ma'am. Can I be of any assistance? Seems to me that you have lost something. I would like to help you find it. She replied, oh yes, you have lost something. You've lost your life. Is it wickedness? Views on Lamar Stated's views on police brutality with that line in the song, quote, and we hate the popo, want to kill us in the street, for sure. Ah, please. Ah. I don't like it. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Cocaine piece got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition, flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, and sworn like this, immaculate conception. I transform like this, perform like this, with y'all, she a new weapon. I don't contemplate, I meditate, then off your fucking head. This that puts the kids to bed. This that I got, I got, I got, I got real. I just kill shit cause it's in my DNA I got millions, I got riches building in my DNA I got dark, I got evil that rot inside my DNA I got off, I got trouble, some heart inside my DNA I just win again, then win again like Wimbledon I serve Yeah, that's him again, the sound that engine in is like a bird You see fireworks and Corvette tires skirt the boulevard I know how you work, I know just who you are See, use a, use a, use a bitch, you almost probably switch inside your DNA Problem is, all that sucker shit inside your DNA Daddy probably snitch, heritage inside your DNA Backbone don't exist, burn outside a jellyfish I gauge See my pedigree most definitely don't tolerate the front Shit I been through probably offend you, this is part
I was fed forgiveness, yeah, 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 yeah Soldier's DNA, born inside the beast My expertise checked out in second grade When I was nine, on sale motel We didn't have nowhere to stay At 29, I've done so well Hit cartwheel in my estate And I'm gon' shine like I'm supposed to Anti-social extrovert And excellent mean an extrovert And absentness, what the fuck you heard And passiveness never struck my nerve And that's a riff gonna be this case The reason my power's here on earth Salute the truth from the prophets say I, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA this is my heritage, y'all I'm inheriting Money and power, the maker, I'm marriages Tell me something, you motherfuckers can't tell me nothing I'd rather die than to listen to you My DNA not for imitation Your DNA an abomination This how I this where you in the matrix Dodging bullets, reaping what you're sowing Stacking up the footage, living on the go And sleeping in the filler, sipping from a crabby Walking in the building, diamond in the ceiling Marble on the floor, speeches out the window Peeking out the window, baby in the pool God, father goes, only Lord knows I've been going hammer, dodging paparazzi Freaking through the cameras, eating four daughters Brock wearing sandals, yoga on the Monday Stretching to the fan, I'm watching all the snakes Curving all the fakes, phone never own. I don't conversate, I don't compromise I just penetrate, sex, money, murder These are the breaks, these are the times Level number nine, look up in the sky Tennis on the way, tennis on the way Kenneth's on the way, motherfucker I got winners on the way You ain't shit without a buddy on your belt You ain't shit without a ticket on your plate You ain't sick enough to pull it on yourself You ain't rich enough to hit the light of skate Tell me when destruction gonna be my fate Gonna be a freak, gonna be a fake. Peace to the world, let it rotate Sex, money, murder, DNA. What's that your elbow cracking? Uh, I, this? Yep. That? Guess so, yeah, there you go. It's my, my wrist. That's Warrior! No! <laughs> Why am I doing this show with a bunch of physical freaks? Um, it's constant, like, see? Yeah, uh, that's quite dope. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Enjoy! Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 